a name if you live anywhere in eastern Iowa that you're familiar with. He never ages. Terry Swales is on the phone with us. He's got a, a new book. Terry, how you doing? I'm doing good. It is great to hear your voices again. It's Every once in a while, I happen to pass through. I check you out. All right. <laughs> you're, no. you're early, you know, in the morning for me. Yeah, that's right. Well, ever since we got to know Terry, our our paths would cross because of the, the <laughs> schedule that you would keep. And uh, it's it's just uh, we've known Terry for a long time. Uh, you were on uh, Channel Two uh, in, in Cedar Rapids, right? And that was the last stop. Yes. All right. And here in the Quad Cities, you're Channel Six and Channel Eight. And now you've got a new book out. And I said to Dwyer, "How the hell does Swales put together a book in a month and a half? You cranked out a book." In a shorter amount of time than it took me and Dwyer to write a term paper in our media law class in college. <laughs> well, when you, when you don't have a job, it, it makes it a little bit easier. No, I saw so you got a job. You, aren't you guys you're, you're you're starting your own church or some damn thing? Isn't that? <laughs> oh, there's Carolyn. That's a good thought, actually. We do have a church now, yes, actually, but so far we haven't got it organized. Actually, my wife showed me a picture. Did you see that Carrie and uh, Terry and Carolyn, uh, they bought a church? I'm like, I didn't think they were very religious, really? He's a minister? No, they're restoring a church and going to live in it. Like, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> so the, um, you're, uh, the duration, oh, yeah. uh, I had never heard the term. Duratio. I don't think anybody had. No. I don't think anybody who lived through this had ever heard this term before. And it's the biggest and most expensive thunderstorm in the history of the country? Is that right? Officially, that is. And, and that's bigger and more costly than any tornado in United States history and most hurricanes. So we're talking a damage figure now. About seven point five billion dollars. So it, and it continues to go up. Well, to know that you're part of a world record storm, though, that's got to feel good. We just got an email from a guy who had a grain bin fall on his house and knocked it off its foundation. But the good news is, it's a world record. Well, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say. I mean, that'll be the story because the foundation will get fixed. You know, the grain bin will get fixed eventually, and then the story will start. Deratio 911, Iowa's Inland Hurricane. We'll put a, a link to the book at twodorks.com, but you can also get it at uh, tswales.com. Okay, yeah, let's cut right. Deratiobook.com will do it too. Deratiobook.com. No, nobody can spell deratio though. D U R. Okay, let's cut right to it. What exactly deratio? What is that? I, I'm sure there's some meteorological term you guys studied, and 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 it was a you know. All right, chapter 15. You're probably never going to have this, but we got to cover it. When was it first used, and what exactly does it mean? It's actually an Iowa term, which is kind of ironic. There was a guy named Gustavus Hendricks, and he was a professor at the University of Iowa way back in the 1880s, and. He was kind of the godfather of weather in Iowa, believe it or not. So he was one of the first weather nerds, and uh, he came up with the term to describe thunderstorms with straight-line winds. 
There were, of course, tornadoes, which would cause damage, but it's a different type of damage. It's scattered in all directions. With derechos, the wind blows from one specific direction, so all the damage is laid out from west to east or north to south, that type of thing. So we use a Spanish term to describe it called derecho, which means straight line. Mm. And um, he is the first one way back in 1887 or so that actually came up with that particular term. And why wouldn't he have just named it after himself, Terry, and call it a Hendrix? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what everybody else does. (laughs) 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 Okay, so all right, but uh, so it is. It is a term that was developed, or at least uh, coined, in Iowa, but nobody has used it since the 1800s. Well, at least we know of it. It languished for almost a hundred years. There was uh, right after he got uh, the terminology out there. That was, again, in that late 1880s, early 1890s. And at that point, nobody wanted to fund weather anymore and didn't want to research it and and just didn't think it was worth the time and effort. So that was when we went into what's called the dark ages of weather. And um, nobody really did a lot of research on severe weather storms. And it stayed that way really until we got into the 1940s, 50s. Finally, somebody in the 1980s, I believe it was, actually did a paper on these types of storms, and they dug up the term derecho and started using it there, and then it kind of caught on. But this particular storm in the state of Iowa has now brought that term to light, and just about everybody's heard it since. So yeah. Really, in the last few months, when it's really hit Iowa, that's true. You know, when you when you say that it sort of lied dormant for a long time, like the it it's funny because when you watched the when you watched the forecast of it when it was happening, um, weather people, meteorologists included, were having trouble at first uh, finding a consensus on how to pronounce it, and that I mean that was across networks and and uh, I mean because. I think I I think I heard it referred to first as an echo, uh, like a like a dare echo, like a French word. Go yeah. from Wisconsin dare echo, dear. And uh, and I'm like, and so because that's how I first heard it referred to, that's what I was telling people, and then I found out later, I believe from Eric Maitland that it was called a derecho, and then I felt like a fool because all these people I had said, oh no, it's called a dare echo. And it's a very, very dangerous wind, and we're lucky to have survived such a big one. And then I sound like a fool. Yeah, yeah. Get a term and stick with it. Which doesn't take a lot, as you know, Terry. (laughs) So um, I wasn't going to go there. No, I do. I don't. Don't be afraid of him. Uh, So it was August the 10th. Um, yeah. Were you still doing like storm chasing stuff at at the time, or just you did all of the research? Or were you safely away from the derecho when it happened? Well, yeah. Ironically, whenever it seems like these big things happen, I'm I'm never there for it. Uh, I don't have much luck with that. But so I was in I was actually in, in Portland, Maine at the time. Okay. Um, but, but was aware that morning that things were rapidly evolving. But I don't think anybody had much of a, a guess that this was going to be uh, really that significant until probably about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. That's when things really started to heat up. And, um, you know, I've interviewed all the forecasters at the Storm Prediction Center, the, the, the supposed experts and so forth. 
And in, even there, the day started off with what they call a marginal risk for severe thunderstorms. Uh-huh. And that's the level one on a scale of five. By about 6.37 in the morning, they en- enhanced that risk, and they jumped it from one to three. And then by 10 o'clock in the morning, they went to level four, which is a moderate risk. And then the forecasters that I talked to there said that if they could have eventually gone to five, which is the highest level, they would have done it. But by that time, it was happening, and so they just left it at, at a moderate risk. But the the fact is, it went from a level one, the garden variety thunderstorms, to the moderate risk, which is widespread severe storms with a lot of damage in probably three, four hours' time. Just, boom, very unusual it, to it, see something like that. And it was the craziest thing to live through. I can't even describe the, the sound of it was different. The, the the just the the way it looked outside. Everything was so bizarre, and it, was, it, it seriously. I thought that we were in the middle of a tornado and just didn't realize it. You know, but watching pieces of neighbors' fences fly through the air. It's the closest thing I ever came to being in that scene from Wizard of Oz. I mean, seriously, yeah. like a cow and a lady on a bicycle is the only thing missing. Well, we, we think about it, particularly in, in Cedar Rapids, where there was damage estimates of 140 miles an hour as far as the winds were concerned. You know, that is that is legitimately a Cat 4 hurricane or a, a tornado of EF3 magnitude. So you're, you're talking about very high level of intensity for a hurricane or a tornado, but this was particularly bad in the sense that it went all the way from central Iowa all the way across northern Illinois, mm-hmm. which is essentially what you have to have, that type of length and, du- and duration, for it to actually be considered a duration. Right. And so it, it, in Cedar Rapids, it's 75 square miles of the city. Uh, the entire town was without power. 65% of the tree canopy has been destroyed there. It's just remarkable to look at the pictures. And, um, you know, just widespread damage is complete chaos. And I think 90% of the homes were actually just had some sort of damage in Cedar Rapids. You know, a tornado usually would have, oh, you know, maybe two blocks at the most, three, something like that in terms of the damage. Right. But here you're talking just, you know, an entire swath right across the state of Iowa. And agriculturally, the impacts were huge, just massive. And is it, uh, is it extreme low pressure just like other, uh, you know, like a tornado is low, pre- a big low pressure system, but it's isolated. Is that what a derecho is too? Is a k- extreme low pressure? Yeah, there there is very intense what you call convergence or low pressure along that line of storms, and you look for a thing called a, a bow echo, um, a feature where if you were looking at the radar, it kind of looks like a, a backwards C there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just has that real curved shape to it. And when you see that signature on the radar, you, you know, you've got yourself a problem. But typically, they don't get to this level where there was winds of over 100 miles an hour for up to 40, 45 minutes in the Cedar Rapids area. Yeah. Sustained winds like that are just unheard of. That's remarkable off the charts. And it's what I find interesting about it, you know, the power from a hurricane, well, it builds out over the ocean, so it picks up all of that moisture. 
Uh, but for it to build up over landfall like that, what's the what's the explanation? Just the coming together of the two different systems, high pressure and extreme low pressure? Well, you have to have, obviously, some pretty unique conditions. Uh, I think that the difference between a hurricane is that typically you can see that eight, ten days in advance. With a derecho, we know that conditions are probably going to be ripe for thunderstorms, but to get one that produces that type of prolonged steady state atmosphere is very unusual. So things have to continue along as that line moves to keep that storm at that level of intensity. And usually thunderstorms ebb and pulse and go up and down in terms of their strength. But in this particular case, everything was just working right. And it's an important ingredient, what they call a low level jet, which has to really kick in to feed the storm Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of energy that has to continue to keep being pumped into the center of it and um, boy that particular day everything came together just right and usually as as the forecasters were telling me at storm prediction center there's always some sort of an ingredient that just doesn't come together a lot of days you might see some of these parameters but to have them all just work in the right level at the right time is pretty unusual. Terry Swales is on the phone with us. Uh, Duratio 911, Iowa's Inland Hurricane. Uh, he has uh, just published. You can get follow the link at twodorks.com or tswales.com. What, t- what was it, though, that ultimately caused it to peter out? Going back to my hurricane analogy, it'll peter out as it gets over land because it doesn't have the moisture to feeding it. What yeah. would cause the Duratio to fall apart? So as it got into Illinois then, it finally got into an atmosphere that didn't have the, the moisture and the humidity necessary to, to keep the energy levels where they were. So that was the, finally the thing that put it to bed. And usually when you get into cooler air, that's going to disrupt any sort of thunderstorm. And in this case, this one had everything working for it for about oh, you know, a good 10, 12 hours. Mm. And finally it got towards evening sun went down, lost its energy, and then it eventually just kind of wore itself out. I had never seen, obviously, anything like it in the 30 years that I've lived here, like most people. Uh, But the one thing that I'll remember from it, uh, more than anything else, because our neighborhood was damaged, but not nearly the kind of damage that some towns saw and are still recovering from. The one thing I saw that really stuck out to me was... All of these neighbors coming out after it was over and just helping each other. Yeah. The very, it, I, I saw people with chainsaws that I'd never seen in the neighborhood before just, yeah. just cutting trees away from people's houses. And I, I just, I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. And it, it, it kind of restored my faith in humanity a little bit to watch how we recovered from it in the very first part of it. Nobody had power. So everybody is out helping each other. Just an amazing uh, show of uh, of just kindness. I thought um, it was unprecedented, as you uh, as you heard. Um, and Terry's yeah. Terry's book chronicles what is now confirmed as the costliest thunderstorm in the United States. Is is it the costliest weather event? Thunderstorm. Technically, it, there there have been several hurricanes that were more costly, but when you consider 
the size of hurricanes and the wind that's associated with some of those. Sure. Uh, like Katrina, you've all heard of some of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, those, there are a few events out there, but not many. And in the state of Iowa, this will, will obviously be the number one strength storm. And then um, the second ranked one was probably the floods in Cedar Rapids. In fact, I know it was. Yeah. Um, there was the Parkersburg tornado was right before oh, yeah. that. It sort of initiated a bad period there of three weeks of weather. <laughs> but um, those two events hit Cedar Rapids exceptionally hard. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the chapters in the book is comparing the flood of 2008 uh, to this particular storm there and the differences and why they were both so impactful. But it's, it's extremely rare for one city to be hit by two significant disasters like that in such a short period of time. So the lesson is you got to follow Swale's website or his Facebook page, because if he's going out of town, S is going down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anytime, there's, you know it. anytime there's bad weather, it's because Terry's gone. Jake says, dear dorks, Terry's one of the only people that make weather makes weather interesting. Plus, he was the one who used to tell me to go back to bed because school was canceled because of snow. So he was a hero to many elementary school children. <laughs> <laughs> Many kids. Yeah. All right. As long as we got you on the phone, can I? I'm going to ask the question I always ask. Can I have you put on your snow forecast hat and give me some good news about uh, Wisconsin and my snowmobiling uh, hopes and dreams for this Christmas? I know it's long term. Yeah, I, I, I think you're in good shape up there this year. We're we're going to go into uh, a La Nina here, and um, that's the opposite of the El Nino. And for the upper Midwest, that is usually a pretty good sign for significant snow. So the further north you go through the Midwest, the better the chances for more snow. And usually up there in the great north woods, yeah. there's going to be plenty of it up there. So I expect you'll have, have the snow you want this year, that's for sure. All right. That's good news. Um, check out Terry's book, Deratio 911, Iowa's Inland Hurricane. I have... Uh, a couple of your other books. I know I have the one about the flood. I know I have Superstorms, and I know I have uh, whatever it is, Big Game Hunting, or whatever. You're- mm-hmm. <laughs> then there's the, there's the romance novel he wrote, Passionate yeah. Waikiki. That's, that's my favorite. That's yeah. the picture yeah. of... That's got, it, it's got a picture of Terry with when he had long hair yeah. on, the, on, the, on the cover, shirtless, of course. Check out this Doppler. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're, you're out in Maine right now, or are you coming back or you got yeah how do you keep track of all of these houses damn we ought to get into weather forecasting <laughs> well we have to have somewhere to live when we come back so we, we uh, finally came across this this really cool church it's near galena yeah just north of there and um, we're going to renovate it and change it and we we got an architect working on that right now and and it, it's really going to turn out cool so that's going to be the home base once we decide to, to get out of Maine. But we had a, a young girl here that's got to graduate from high school first. So once that's done, then we're free to come back to the Midwest. My dad had that same thought with me, but uh, it was three extra years I cost him because uh, I just couldn't make that leap from uh, from high school. It's tough. The Greg Ray Show. Yes. Calls. All these papers <laughs> and tests. Eight-year plan. That's awful. Well, give our best to uh, Carolyn and, and Eden. I can't believe graduating from high school. I can remember when she was a baby. Uh, it's good yeah. to hear your voice and uh, fine work. Amazing uh, that you turned out a book in this short of a. I mean, it's got it's only two months. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, 
it, you know, Carolyn was involved too. And, and by the way, she's, she's yelling hello right now. Oh, well, she probably did well, all that the sounded friendly. She probably wrote the whole damn thing. Cause you know, I mean, Terry's like going, Ooh, look, clouds. Yeah. Carolyn is, is like, she's like, you know, she's taking dictation, writing the entire thing. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I took advantage of it for sure. Boy. So, uh, All right, brother. Good talking yeah. to you. Um, we'll put the link up there. Uh, you can, of course, follow uh, Terry's website, tswales.com, but at twodorks.com, you can. Uh, uh, what's the delivery time? Are you ready to ship them, or are they at the printers right now, or what? It's it's probably going to be about three, four more weeks. They're, they're just getting. Uh, printed now that's a pretty lengthy process believe it or not so it takes about a month to get it done but we're doing the pre-sales aspect of it and so that's uh that's underway now you can save yourself a little bit of money that's an issue for you and again duratiobook.com will get you right to my site and the page that you can get your copy at all right to answer bill's question as to why it came out so quickly carolyn's back there going if we're not the first to print, all the Duratio books are going to be competing. <laughs> Is there another book? Somebody... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be one. Yeah. All right, my man. Good catching up with you, Terry. All right. You too. Good, good to hear your voices, guys. And uh, to all my friends back in the Quad Cities, big shout out and hello. Hope everybody's staying safe and doing well. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend. Take Thanks care. for chatting with us. See ya. That is my pleasure. You guys take care. All righty. Terry Swale, tswales.com, uh, or just follow the link at twodorks.com.